I know what this is. I owned one before. Many, many years ago. It belonged to a man I met on a Saturday in 1993. National Indoor Arena in Birmingham. A man sporting a t-shirt of jet from Gladiators. Have you come to tell me where I can get such merchandise? I'll come back for you. dream a little bigger darling when it comes to expressing your personality so go check out the range at devlindoesdrawing.com and go three layers deep into fan paraphernalia that's right if you want merchandise promoting all your favorite films tv shows and pop cultural milestones then check out the devlindoesdrawing.com shop take a leap of faith or become an old person filled with regret. Hello, and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Patrick. I'm standing in for Gally today, who sadly couldn't be with us. And today we continue with our new series, The Open Slate. The Open Slate. Oh, and that echo you hear there is one of our film and television professionals who I'm going to talk to about their career, how they got into the industry, any advice they may have for those wanting to pursue a career in film and TV. And of course, any nuggets you can give us, Cat Lane. Hi, Cat Lane. How are you? I'm good. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're very welcome. It's our pleasure. It's my very dear friend that you're listening to, listeners, and our first guest, who's not um, who's not from the Leeds Met such Beckett University alumni that we uh, that our previous two episodes have been um, been from, including myself. Sorry to disappoint. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was the pinnacle of education <laughs> back then that we uh, that we experienced. Uh, so we met nearly. I'm going to say 10 years ago. I can't believe it's 10 years ago. Look how far we've come. <laughs> oh, so far. You've gone all the way to Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get away from you. <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, yeah, 10 years ago on Man From Uncle, right? Yeah. God, Man From 10 Uncle. years ago. Well, back then, I met you. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were a producer's assistant. No, you are wrong. I thought I so. Was. Sorry work experience 10 years ago wow god and that was in production and sorry to talk over you in any way but cat then became my crowd PA on uh, man from uncle but could you let us know a little bit about your role now and what it was previously over the last 10 years god, so 10 years ago so i got into well you could say I got into it later i was 25 when i did my work experience um 
before that, I wanted to be a dancer. So I was dancing around the place and I got a job on film set and I thought, this is amazing. I want to work here. Like it just suddenly something clicked. I was doing a lot of um, live shows and tours um, around the UK, just dancing around. And I loved it. But then I got a job on a film on a film set and it just something changed. So I applied to be an extra. I was an extra for two years just shuffling around, mainly on Holby City, trying to make the ward look busy. <laughs> trying. And, um, trying, shuffling around. And I just couldn't seem to get any work. That was all I was doing. I thought if I was an extra and I got close, I could maybe, you know, talk to some people, get myself in there. But it's really difficult because you don't really meet the people that you need to be talking to when you're an extra. You do. But you also don't like I I wanted to get into production. So I was very annoying on Holby City and I kept asking people, who do I need to talk to? Hey. And they're like, look, you're doing great. What you're doing. We need you. Stay as an extra. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and then um, I applied to be work experience and I got the job. Um, and I remember for for the first I only did two weeks and it was unpaid. And I remember I never got invited out to any of the socials. And when it was my last week, um, one of the other PAs said, oh, well, I, I know it's your last week, but you're you're underage, aren't you? Because, no you, you know, you're going back to school next week. And I was like, no, I'm 25. <laughs> and they're like, I'm so sorry. We haven't invited you out because we thought you were you were a young work experience going back to going back to school. That's great. I know. <laughs> Well, uh, gosh, you are a very young looking 25 year old. You're very young looking now, Kat, I must say. Well, maybe I was just very um, immature and didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> no. But what what year was that then? I think that was 2012. 2012. Okay. And so from that, I, I mean, I'm going to come back to that a little bit about getting into the industry and the difficulties and your perception of, you know, you said they're trying to speak to the right people. But what do you. What do you do now? Just a little bit more about who Cat Lane is now. What do I do now? <laughs> what don't I do now? Um, <laughs> my role has kind of changed or what I would perceive now is there's been a role made for me in the past two productions I've worked on. Because um, obviously now I'm quite heavily pregnant and before and I also have a two-year-old so listeners that's where we congratulate Kat yeah thank you so I can't do the hours that I used to do and to be honest with you I don't want to do those hours anymore um they just don't work for me I just wouldn't see my daughter and the way I'm feeling right now there's no way that I could be stood up (laughs) running around set for 14 (laughs) hours a day (laughs) you could do the um the Sarah (laughs) Salway thing of the um the yoga ball (laughs) I was remembering that um so I worked as a second assistant director on the penultimate series of Dot Martin just before Covid so I really enjoyed that I got on really well with the team um and then once once Covid kind of disappeared and they decided to you know get back up and running and do their final series by then I'd had a baby so when they called me up saying we'd like you back to be the second assistant director I said look you know that's not going to work I can't do the hours 
Um, and they were like, that's a shame, you know, but congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like a day later, I got a phone call from the producer going, look, we've been thinking, we'd really like to have you back. There's a little job that we think we could like make for you as part of production. Um, it's something that we just need someone one day a week to keep on top of. Does that, that sound like something you'd be interested in? I was like, absolutely. Because <laughs> at that time, Emily, my daughter, was, she was 10 months. So I still didn't want to leave her for long periods of time. I didn't want to go back to work, you know, full time or even three days a week. I just didn't, yeah. I wasn't ready yet. So one day a week was perfect. They, the times they worked around her nursery day so I could drop her off at eight and pick her up at four. And that was my day. Um, and I thought was that was really nice. It was, they, they called me the sustainability coordinator, which okay. is basically a posh way of saying, I made sure that we recycled and kept our carbon footprint low. Wow. That's yeah. great. And is that yeah. what you're doing? Was that what you did in your last job? Well, no, the job I'm doing now. So that was my last job last year. Job I'm doing now. Um, it was one of the girls from production from Dot Martin. She's gone on to another job called Beyond Paradise. And she recommended me to look after, to work two days a week now, looking after the work experience and also being, they've called me the wellbeing coordinator. So they trained me up as a mental health first aider. So one day a week I'm on set being, you know, there if anybody needs to talk. And then the other day, I'm looking after all the work experience, which is great because that's where I started. So I'm a massive fan of getting these guys in, making sure they have the best, you know, opportunity and, you know, giving them tips for the future. So that's um, that's where I'm at at the moment. And who knows what the next job might be, if there is one. You've been promoted then from one day to two. <laughs> It's, it's fascinating, and I'm so glad you came on uh, to to the show to talk about it because I, I almost lost track of your um, progression. You know, you went from, like you said, work experience. You'd been a sporting artist. You um, uh, shouted someone in production. You're an AD with me. You've been a second AD, and then now you, you know environmental and welfare. It's it's fascinating and, and an amazing career progression that's um, really kind of adapted to your life and and your character I'd say I think you're right in like adapting and not kind of setting yourself up as this is who I am this is my niche I won't go anywhere I mean that does work for some people but for me where you know I need a bit more flexibility I can't just say I'm only going to be a second assistant director because something will have to change other either my family you know has to take a back seat and I'm just all about the career but I just, that's not, ha I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved being an assistant director mm. when I was, you know, free and single and, you know, having a great time with my mates. Um, but now, <laughs> now I just want to be at home. <laughs> but I also yeah, still great. want to do stuff because I love this industry and I still want to be involved. And I think if the door was firmly shut, I would miss that spark that I get from being around yeah. the industry. But that, I can't 
do it the way I did it before. And it's nice to know that there are roles that can happen now because I didn't think there would be. When I said I was pregnant, my phone didn't ring for about an hour, um, an hour, a year. (laughs) How quick do you want the job to be? (laughs) (laughs) An hour, yeah. I mean, I I usually wait a week, Kat, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) So is is that why then, it's something we haven't touched upon, is you're in your own production company as well. Is that why you're, you you started that up and that love for film that you spoke about just now and Spark, there's a creative thing there? That's, do you know what? I'm not so creative. I'm more, I like to be organised. And I think that's why I got interested in the production side and the producing side. I never wanted to get into the directing side or the writing side. I'm not, I'm not creative. There are way more talented people to be doing that than me. But what I am good at is organising and getting stuff done. And the reason why I set up my production company is because I couldn't get a foot in the door. And I was getting so frustrated that I thought, you know what, bollocks to it. I'm going to make my own short film and see how we get on. And, you know, didn't have a clue what I was doing. I found all my crew online. Um, I mean, this is going back, must have been like 12, 13 years ago now. So there was something called Star Now. Don't know if oh, it's yeah. still around. That would rival Mandy.com back in my day. <laughs> Mandy. Um, and for some reason, all these people who did not know me, I managed to get them to agree to film for free for a week in Ireland and pay for their own flights out there. Wow. Gosh. And then I'd, to this day, I still don't understand how that happened, but I met them all and I explained what we were doing. I sent the script, I told them where we were staying and what we're doing. And after that, that film that I made and it did really well, I just thought, you know what, maybe I can do this. Maybe I do have a talent for, you know, gathering people together, getting, you know, getting a good group, whether they know me or not and just see where we go. um, What's the name of your production company? What's the name of the, the film? It's called Banshee. And it's Carol Lake Films, right? It's actually, I think it's under Upstream Films. Right, okay. Yeah, but that was the start of Carol Lake Films because um, we decided we wanted to go back to Ireland and film more. So we set up an Irish production company. I think six years later, we um, went back to Ireland and made a feature film of the short film that we made. Right, yeah, of course, I remember. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I I um I didn't quite know you got people over for free in their own flights. I think that not I when we did the feature. You... <laughs> when we did the fe- when we did the feature film, we managed to get funding for it, so we had a budget. But my first ever short film, no, didn't know what I was doing. Do you have a license for the the firearm that you pointed to them to get them on the plane? <laughs> Do you know what? And it was the most fun week I've ever had in my life. It was so much fun. That's great. And they, I I find um like short films and. When everyone chips in and, and going back to almost a, uh, I'm call it a uni mentality when I was making films with Gally and, and Deb and that, that um, when everyone chipping in, there's a real buzz, something about the independent feel that kind of reinvigorates us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great fun. Everybody just is there for the same reason, aren't they? They all love film and they all just want to be part of it and they all just get stuck in and it's brilliant. So what got you into it in the first place? You, you said... Um, wanted to be a dancer but then you got onto a film set where did you go to film school or did you just love film and think that's an industry I'd like to work in I went to dance college and that's the industry I thought I wanted to work in I wanted to be in the west end 
so I trained musical theatre and um when I left after three years of professional training I did quite a few shows and was you know actively working for about two years um but then some I don't know I just kind of I wanted something more I was doing the jobs I was doing the shows and they were fun but they're always kind of the same thing I was always doing a cabaret show touring a cabaret show always the Elton John medley you know (laughs) things like that and um, then I got a job dancing on a film it was an independent film called Clubbed ever come across clubbed uh, uh, no i'm unfamiliar with it sorry oh it was yeah it was kind of like um a dark like it was a drug a druggy kind of um vibe going on and i was one of the nightclub dancers and then you were typecast went, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i got i got to set and it was just amazing i loved it just everything about it we had like the atmos the lights you know everything about it was just something i'd never been involved in before and after that i just i remember calling my agent i was like i need to get more jobs like this like anything you can do to get me on a film set that's wow. what i need yeah and so that great. and so how did you get work experience on man from uncle well when i did my short film banshee because i didn't know anyone and i was working as an extra i how would you how do you explain it where i just kind of i thought i'm just going to invite everyone to the screening of it everyone i'm going to invite ridley scott i'm going to invite guy Ritchie. so wiggly oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i literally emailed everyone hold on hold on sorry i have to interrupt what do you mean you emailed them? How? Like, you just get in touch with their assistants or whatever. And I just sent them all, like, an, an invite to a screening night. And I just thought, do you know what? A lot of people were there going, they'll never come. And I was like, look, if one person comes, it can make a difference. I guess who turned up? Steve Clark Hall. Steve Clark Hall. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And he turned up and he said, do you know what? I'm a massive fan of people like you making your own way, independent films, making your own shorts. You know, if there's anything I can do to help you in the future, give me a call. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. I didn't know that. And that is awesome. So then, of course, you rang him or emailed him. It was. I didn't ring him straight away because I thought I need to keep this for like when I really need the opportunity. Like I need to just wait for my time. And I remember I made an I've made a couple more short films and I remember getting really upset one evening because I realized that I was making all these short films and paying for them because I was also, you know, still dancing, working as a waitress in between jobs, saving Mm -hmm. my money and just make like putting my money into the short films to make. All the directors and the actors that were in my short films started to get work. They'd get agents or, you know, they'd be look, we're not available for a short film anymore. I'm now directing this yeah, or I'm now yeah. acting this. And I was just sat there with all the bills. And I was like, so I'm basically just making people show reels. And I'm sat here. You didn't, you should have got some commission. I got nothing. So um, I remember thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, yeah. is that is that what it is? So I called him up and I said, look, Steve, I don't know if you remember me. Came to my screening. I was like, I thought I'd give you a call because I think it was about nine o'clock at night. I said, I'm this close to just quitting. Um, And he said, look, next week, 
come and work for me, do two weeks. I'll get production to sort it out. See you at this place um, in a week's time. Off you pop to Leaveston. Off I pop to Leaveston. Then I met you. And were you living in London at the time? Yeah. But of course you were living in Squallow. I, I remember your, your little um, <laughs> shanty, three-story. Uh, <laughs> I remember very fondly, actually. Um, you had some terrible neighbours, though, I recall. Who who were they? Oh, yeah, they're so noisy. Ellie Golden just kept singing all the time. <laughs> and then Nigella Lawson would always have dinner parties. <laughs> and never invite you, just like your no. friends on uh, Hol- uh, Holby City. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, I remember um, it may have been through Sarah and maybe Steve directly. I can't quite recall, but being asked to get you some days. Um, w- and I wonder if they were your first paid days on the production. Do you know what? I don't know if I got paid for those days. And it was definitely from Steve because I think um, he got, bless him, I think he got a little bit fed up with me just like hanging around because <laughs> I was just in his office like, <laughs> hey so what do we do and he's like well I've got a meeting and I've got this and I've got that and I'm like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh and then then he came back after I was sat in his office because it also had those um those electronic lights you know when they turn off when you don't move and I sat in that office and it was pitch black in there because I hadn't moved for two hours because I didn't know what to do and he was at a meeting and he came back he's like you're going to the ADs tomorrow and I was like okay He knew what he's doing. Good old Steve Blackhall. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Um, I remember giving you your radio. Yeah, didn't have a clue what that was. <laughs> it's a scary thing, right? And um, just a little segue from it's it's fa- fantastic. One of your recent positions, which is working with a work experience and making sure they're okay and know what's going on, because those roles it didn't really happen to us, did they? When we started, and c- c- how. I mean, what? how would you have liked it when you started to have you, someone in your position now to, to help out? Oh, my God, I would I would have loved that. I was absolutely horrified after that first day. And I remember the next day I went back to Steve and he was like, they liked you so much, the ADs, that they want you again on Thursday, the next day. And I was like, please don't make me. No way. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, please, please don't make me. And he said, look, the role of the good producer is to understand what everybody does. It's really important that you do. And then actually that next day, I understood a lot more what was going on. And then I loved it. And I was like, oh, maybe I want to be on set more. Wow. Okay. And is yeah. that because but, one I mean, day was insane and the next day was it? Oh, it was intense. I had no idea what was going <laughs> on. And the thing is, it's like you very kindly explained as best you could there was a time constraint. We had to get going. We had to go to set. So you took five minutes out of your busy time to explain things to me. And then we get to set and then you're being called over here. So, you know, there's a crane over there. There's somebody <laughs> shouting in the middle. There's like all these extras around the place. And like everybody is just too busy. It's all going crazy on the radio that I'm listening to. And I don't know who anyone is on there. And the way they talk as well, it's not like you're having a phone conversation. It's not like, hey, Patrick. Um, you know, I'm down here, just wondering if you can help me out for a minute. It's like, Patrick, Patrick, come in. And you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was intense. I'd have loved you to have addressed me like a two-way radio folk. Because, <laughs> of course, Patrick. radios are just one way. And, that, I mean, I remember when I first started picking your time and getting your information across very quickly on a radio channel yeah. where other people, list, like loads of people are listening. 
is a very daunting thing when you start, right? And also people can just snap at you as well. And then it's, you know, you know, for a fact that the whole crew has heard you just being snapped at down the radio and you're like, cool. Right. <laughs> well, is is there any um that was Man from Uncle? Is there any other productions of note that you've worked on as an AD over the years? So after Man from Uncle, see I was dailies on that. I got invited back for the rest of the job. So I work experience for the first two weeks. So it was prep and we did the pre shoots. They were the pre shoots that I came and helped out on. And then I stayed with you guys for the rest of the shoot, mainly doing fittings helping out with the fittings world. But then I did go off and do some filming days as well. So I was with you the rest of the shoot. That was great. And then that finished and I didn't get much work for a while. Um, Because again, you know, the, the film had wrapped. The only people I knew were the people on that film. So they all decided to take a bit of downtime. But then it wasn't till one of the other ADs went and got onto a TV show um 24 live another day and they came to london and i came on as a lock-off pa so i was just basically far away from all the action stopping people walking down the street (laughs) which again (laughs) was fine because i kind of had a thing that i understood you know when you're like this is my job i understand what i need to do I'm not in the midst of it when, you know, you're being barked at orders at and you're like, I don't know what this is for, but I'll do it as quick as I can. <laughs> I understood my little role. But um, what's actually happened to me in in quite a lot of my jobs, and um, somebody said it to me, it's it's um, like dead man's shoes. When somebody goes on to another job, I get their job. So the base PA on 24, it was um, – um, a few weeks later was moving on to another job and they were and um I remember their second AD was like Kat do you want this job I was like I've never done it before but sure so then I became the base PA on that and then from that job the second AD went for an interview for Alice with the Looking Glass and recommended me so then took me with him so then that was my proper contract my first proper contract job all the way through um Alice with the Looking Glass um do you know what that was probably one of the best but hardest jobs I've ever done in my life. Wow. The hours were insane. So many times we were getting taxis home because we were just overtime. From that to jump straight into base PA, the world of cast directly, that's quite the leap very quickly. How, how did you find that transition? I loved it. But I also think there was there was another girl on the job who'd been there longer than me and she wasn't very happy. But don't want to blow my own trumpet but when (laughs) I looked I watched her how she worked and she would sit down during the lock-off you know sit down like just be a bit like whatever you know if you can hear somebody on the radio that needs an extra pair of hands and your lock-off is not needing to be locked you know I'd run over and be like can I help I'd come over with some water do you guys need some water be helpful and be you know be seen don't be seen to be sat on your ass doing nothing or on your phone so she wasn't very happy that I got the um that job yeah being I was proactive with how I went about things and I think that's why I got that job and then it's just being like I think a lot of it is to do with personality do you get on with this person well so when I became the base third 
um, the base PA and I was with the the base second, um, the key second. I got on really well with him. So he was like, come with me. Yeah, great. Yeah. And uh, listeners, that was the sound of Kat blowing her own trumpet there. And here's a word from our sponsors. Let me get you some help, Truman. You're not well. I know what you mean. Maybe it's got something to do with that cheap coffee I bought. Then again, maybe it's you, Meredith. That's not true. All I know is I've got to stop living in this fantasy world where I seem to know best all the time. Why don't you let me fix you some of this new Mococo drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua. No artificial sweeteners. I've heard it all before, Meredith. I seem to have tried them all. And yet I can't start the day right. I've tasted other cocos. This is the best. Will you knock it off about the cocoa? I'm talking about coffee. That's why I've started using the Unorthodox Roasters. The Unorthodox Roasters source the best origins from around the world. Roasted in Scotland, brewed at home. And with a subscription service from 3 to 12 months, you never need to leave your door in order to get that incredible original coffee taste. You can find them at www.unorthodoxroasters.co.uk for more information about their coffee and their subscription service. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yeah, yeah. And what do you remember your aspirations at the time being? You know, you found a new role, you've been thrown into it. We're like, right, this is me now. That's when it clicked when I became a base PA. That's when I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be at base. I don't really want to be on the floor that much. It's not, doesn't suit me. I like being at base because it's organizing again, looking after people, which I love to do, and just kind of helping prep and plan the shoot days, which I found really interesting. Instead of being like right in the midst of the craziness that's happening, and all the creativity, which I did like, but being at base, you get the best of both worlds. You get to go down to set and see people, but when it all gets a bit hectic, you can go back to your nice warm trailer <laughs> and carry on with your work. <laughs> you wouldn't rather be locking off that corner? No. Yeah, it's a good entry-level job to the industry, locking off. Yeah. I don't want to talk down too much about it. No, you do absolutely. learn. But it works cats, for me. Um, well, you're right in that you can lock off and you can stay in a corner all day, or between lock-offs come in check it out check in with people what can I do how can I help in this downtime because you're absolutely right there apart from the kind of downtime and trying to application trying to find jobs in the beginning was there any other kind of barriers or that you like location difficulties financial that you may have experienced um, getting into the industry I was quite lucky in terms of I was living in London and I was readily available so For example, that phone call with Steve, come and work next week. I was ready. I could. Off I went. Whereas I can imagine it'd be quite difficult if you lived elsewhere. You're like, well, where am I going to stay? How do I get there? You know, and I had a car as well, which is really, really important in this industry, I feel. Because sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere at a ridiculous hour and there's no form of transport. I did a lot of um, lot of work when I was an extra, mm-hmm. um, getting public transport, and it was trying to get to the arse end of nowhere at five o'clock in the morning by public transport. It just wasn't working. Um, so that's when I actually, you know, invested in a car, and 
as being my lifeline because this is what I'm dealing with at the moment. There's quite a few work experience we have at the moment on this job who don't drive. And I've said to them that, you know, it's it's okay at, on this job because we're studio-based, we're mainly doing days. But if you were to get on a film where you're doing night shoots, you're doing this, that, you have to get there, you have to get here. It's a nightmare. That's difficult. And um, yeah. Catna lives in Cornwall, which I imagine the locations around there. <laughs> Public transport's not so yeah. reliable. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, that's Cornwall. Is there any other um, exotic locations that you've worked at in your career? And how are they different to working in a studio in London? The most memorable exotic location has to be up a mountain in Wales, <laughs> where it pissed it down. For two weeks, I remember we, it was meant to be, um, I think it was Venice. It was meant to be Venice, off-road off in Venice. And main unit got to go to Venice and we were in Wales. And I remember we had, um, it was an off-road car chase and we had four GoPros in the mud. And the, the sequence went, the cars ran over the GoPros. And then as soon as that um, that shot stopped, we were digging away in the mud to try and find these GoPros. Oh, my God. And I thought, what am I doing here? <laughs> What's your, what was your job role on that? That was, thank you very much, Patrick Baggett, man from Uncle, second unit that you sent me off on. Oh, well, well, you know, I, I saw <laughs> a skill in you. And I... <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being up that mountain, and there was so much going on, and one of the crew members came up to me and said, I really urgently need um, uh, an envelope. Oh, wow. Great. I thought. Did you just pull it out your arsehole? <laughs> I was like, I've, what? She's like, it's urgent. I really need an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at them and I just walked away. I was like, are you for real? <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I'd even wager that's not the weirdest thing you've been asked, but um, it's still pretty up there. Was that the same mountain we revisited together on King Arthur? Yeah, probably. I think so. I was trying to lead you into a certain uh, superhero film that you worked on abroad. Oh. Which Kat has, I'm looking at Kat, guys, and she's clearly forgotten that she's worked with Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, it's the second one. The second right. Wonder Woman 1984, which, you know, people may argue not as good as the first one, but <laughs> still enjoyable nonetheless. Went to Almeria in Spain for a week and then three weeks in Fortaventura. Your career it seems to be very consistent after we met, but from when we met and at the beginning and even being a sporting artist to, to now, have you seen a difference in, I don't know, the amount of women in film and any um, restrictions or difficulties being a woman working in the industry was for you at the time? I personally haven't come across anything like that. I've always been quite well looked after and well surrounded by either the males who are kind of pro women, or it doesn't even phase them, it doesn't even cross their mind. Or, for example, um, Sarah Selway, she was kind of, I'd say, one of my first mentors because. She was the crowd second on Man From Uncle and looked after me very well, as did you, um, throughout that whole job. And I always had her to 
especially at the very beginning when I was still learning my feet and figuring things out, I'd always give her a call and just say, what do you think about this? How do I do this? Um, and the same with just other jobs that I've gone on to since. For example, I worked on um, The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. And um, my favourite moment was on Chinese New Year, he came in with a load of Burberry handbags just for the women on set. <laughs> Did the men get flowers? The men got nothing. Us women, like I remember my boss rubbing his hand going, oh, I wonder if he's going to buy all the men watches. The men got nothing. <laughs> Just the women. And then again on Star Wars, Kathleen Kelly, all the women towards the end of um, the Han Solo film that I worked on, she got us all little bum bags. Just the women. And, you know, we're just like, it's just, you know, thoughtful and... Yeah, it was lovely. Do you wear it proudly daily? Now? Oh, not so much now, but I did. I t- <laughs> took it to a few car boot sales, my bum bag. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing it proudly. <laughs> but yeah, I've never, I've, you know, one of my all-time favourite bosses that I've worked with, Andy Madden, he's got, um, he's got a sister who's in the industry. So, you know. And he would always say, he's like, you remind me of my sister sometimes. Like, we just would have, like, a really lovely friendship. But, you know. Hello to Susie Madden. Hello, Susie Madden. They've all kind of been brought up with, you know, siblings and mothers Mm -hmm. and all sorts. So I have never found a problem, really. But saying that, I'm kind of more sheltered in the sense of I'm not on set so much where there is a lot of macho, you know, lads slapping each other on the back but I've not witnessed any of it and it just seems all good fun really everyone kind of looks after everyone I mean like I said people definitely snap at each other because you're tired and you know stuff goes wrong as it does everywhere but at the end of the day you're one big team and you've made a film that everyone's proud of and when you sit in that um you know the cast and crew screening everyone's cheering everyone on (laughs) you know and everyone's just really proud that they've worked on it together I love clapping and cheering names on the credits for those. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> and it's it's great, like your roles recently, again, coming back to it, that, um, you know, from a welfare point of view and work experience point of view, that representation. And I've certainly seen an increase in HR training over the years and that it's just run better now. Yeah. In a way, it feels more uh, comfortable and equal and... I've, I've, I think I've seen it. Um, yeah. I just wanted to yeah. get your, your view on it. But then, um, and then on that, then you started a family and you moved from London to Cornwall. Um, yeah. How long ago was that? That was just before lockdown. So 2019, I remember I'd just finished, I'd finished Wonder Woman. I was absolutely exhausted. And I'd met my partner two years before that. So we, he was based in Cornwall. I was in London and we were commuting quite a lot. I, we made a deal where once a month I'd go to Cornwall for the weekend and once a month he would come to London for the weekend. So we'd mm-hmm. see each other, you know, twice a month. And then it just got, it's a long way to travel. Is that yeah, yeah. nine hours of traveling a weekend? And especially when you're working late until Friday night, I remember one day I was getting the sleeper train because I missed the last train. The, the last train would be seven o'clock at night to Cornwall. 
and never get back. I mean, that's when we'd wrap on a Friday night and there's no way I could drive five hours after a full week mm-hmm. of that. Um, so I went to get the sleeper train that leaves at um, midnight from Paddington Station and gets you in at six in the morning. It's a nice, long, slow train. I turned up in my pyjamas, all ready to go, and it said cancelled. Oh, no. I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Um, So once um, Wonder Woman wrapped, my boss um, said he was going on to another job, um, and he'd be in touch. And I was like, okay, well, just so you know, I I think I'm just going to have a little bit of a break. I just need to figure some things out because... You know, bearing in mind, it was a two-year relationship that I didn't know. We hadn't tried it enough. I hadn't said, I'm going to go and see if it will work. I need to stay with him for a long period of time. He Mm -hmm. might drive me mad after a weekend. Um, So (laughs) my boss called me up saying, we're going on to another job. You start next month. Are you up for it? And I said, no. Yeah, okay. I said, no, I just need to, I think I need to go to Cornwall. I'm going to go to Cornwall for the summer and see if it's going to work. And if it's not going to work, I'll be back and I'll go come on the next job with you. But for now, <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to say no. And off I went to Cornwall. And two weeks later, when I was there, having a lovely time, um, a friend called me up and said, look, I'm working on Dot Martin. It's 20 minutes down the road from where you, where you are. Uh the, one of the girls is leaving and they're looking for a second assistant director. Do you want, do you want this job? I thought, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I took that job, made some great friends who all live in Cornwall and stayed ever since. And again, that's, um, forgive me for saying this, but you hadn't key seconded at that, that point. Oh. It's just, you, you, and I, I'm guessing you learned as a base PA or base third, through the key second, you learn it through osmosis or you, you probably helped with the call sheet and things and you, I don't know, confidently took that with you? Yeah. And also, I had a good relationship with my old boss and I would call him up going, fuck, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> I, I've had those phone calls before. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell do I do here? <laughs> but you made it work, right? Was, was, sorry, was that Doc Martin? Yeah, Doc Martin. And great. And how is that then? TV, you've gone from big film, London, to small TV, Cornwall, smaller, albeit on film, which is very admirable and awesome to work on a film production, like yeah. shot on film. How is, how is that? Uh, what were the differences? I'll tell you, from my point of view, the differences is TV, everyone's a bit more hands-on. There's no assistance. There's no, you know, oh, don't talk to him, talk to the assistant. Yeah, then there's less money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing the uh, money sign to count right now. Yeah, Yeah, less money. So you're definitely doing more jobs as well. So, you know, for example, on film, you'd have a whole transport department Mm -hmm. who sorts pickups and everything transport. Whereas on TV, as the assistant director second, you do that. So that was a, you know an extra headache that I had to take on that I'd never thought of before. But it was quite nice just being able to just walk up to people and talk to them, knock on the trailer doors, you know, talk to cast number one, listen, this is what's happening. Whereas usually can't get that close to them. You have to talk to their assistant who, you know, especially on Wonder Woman, you know, Wonder Woman herself came with a team of, you know, hair 
hair designer, a makeup artist. She came with an assistant. She came with a physio. She came with a trainer. She came with a chef. Kitchen sink? <laughs> Literally, there were so many people that you had to deal with just and tell them all where she was going. So you can't just say, look, you're needed on set. You need to tell every single person before you tell her so they can get ahead of her that she's coming to set. Mm-hmm. Whereas on Dot Martin, knock, hello, Martin Clunes, can you go to set? Sure thing. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Good old Martin Clunes. He, Good old um, Martin I remember he, uh, I worked with him on something called Arthur and George for ITV. And um, he's a big animal lover. I, I think he owns a lot of animals. He kind of has a farm at home or something. Yeah. And um, my horses. dog. He loves horses. He loves horses. He got it. Yeah. Uh, we were working at Dent's Farm together. And he saw on my phone, my lock screen was my dog. He's like, oh, Patrick, that's a lovely dog there. And a, a few days later, he sidled up to me, dead sneaky, and was like, Patrick, have you, um, I was like, oh, God, what's he going to ask me? Do you any more photos of that lovely dog of yours? He <laughs> 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 just loved it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, just proper animal lover. I, I really liked him. He was a really nice bloke. And when we were, used to take him onto set, there would be, um, you know, people in the village walking past with their dogs. And he'd have to stop and stroke every single <laughs> one. And we'd be like, come on, Martin, we're ready for you. We'd be chatting away. What's the name of your dog? How old is he? Yeah, he sees a dog and he's he's got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you and Martin had a good relationship because I believe his character had a baby in the show. Yeah, so that was the other thing. When they called me back to be a second, I said, look, I can't do the hours I've had a baby. They just went, and how old is your baby? (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so they had her for the baby in the Christmas special. That's awesome. She wasn't the the baby in the series because they needed little, little babies, and they had Mm -hmm. twins to play that. But by Christmas, she'd grown up a bit more. So Emily was... The baby and funny enough um martin clunes uh daughter in real life is called emily so he was like i've got an emily too oh wicked <laughs> and of course cats emily will never see the money or <laughs> 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 well, emily she's gonna know about that okay cat uh just gonna have a little word from gallic what do you think jack you think if you listen to every film podcast ever, they'll give you another medal? You think I'm not prepared to recommend Verbal Diorama as the best film podcast out there today? Two years I spent listening to each and every film podcast ever released. Two years I invested myself in it. You couldn't understand the kind of commitment I have. You're aimlessly scrolling through different shows, not concerned about insight or quality production. You got blinders onto the world. But I got your attention now, didn't I, Jack? Why didn't you just come after me? Because everyone should be listening to Verbal Diorama. When I find you... Oh, pop quiz, hotshot. There are 50 passengers with nothing to listen to on a bus. If they listen to Verbal Diorama, they'll discover information about the films that they know and the films that they don't. And if they don't listen to Verbal Diorama, they will blow up through sheer frustration at not discovering the best film podcast out there. What do you do? What do you do? I'd want to know what bus it was. You think I'm going to tell you that? Yes. Very good. There are rules, Jack. I want you to get this right. Everybody should be listening to Verbal Diorama. You're crazy. You're 
crazy. No. People who don't listen to Verbal Diorama are crazy, Jack. I'm eccentric. You can get Verbal Diorama wherever you get your podcasts. We'll wave in the future, Jack. And Jack, tell that wildcat behind Verbal Diorama to keep it up. But what's what's next, Cap? You've got the little job roles that you found there, and once a baby has settled, um, are you going back into the welfare position next? What's in the future for you? Yeah, I mean, so this Beyond Paradise series I'm on, that it's already been commissioned for another another series. So in an ideal world, and for them as well, it'll be a yearly production. So it's something that I could do every summer, really, which would be great because it gives me, you know, half the year with my babies and the other half working two days a week, which suits me fine, just keeping my, you know, head in the game because it's just quite nice to speak to other yeah other people with the same interest and what I really enjoy is my drive to work because I'm not listening to nursery rhymes I'm listening to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> go to, yeah, just have that break that mental break which I think is really important because you can easily just get sucked into things I mean my brain already now they call it baby brain is I'm struggling with certain words these days I'm trying You've to remember been very things. eloquent tonight have I <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but that would be which great. is unusual. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd also like to um, do some more of my own independent productions as well. Great, that's something I really want to do. I've got a couple of documentary ideas, and I've got a feature film that I've wanted to do for the past four years. That you know, it's just waiting for the right time. It's ready to go. Just whether you know, I've just got to get email, all my ducks um, in a row. So weirdly again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. And if um, this is a two-hander type thing, uh, if you were to start out all over again, or for anyone starting today, what advice? What advice would you give? Work experience. I think that's the best advice because at the moment, the work experience that we have on this job, they've got a really great opportunity. Because, for example, when I don't know if it's the same when you started that but you know with the work experience I did I thought I wanted to do production so my work experience was in production whereas these guys here there's there's three bands there's a creative band a technical band what's the other band um and the production band and they get to have a go at diff- at three different departments so for example the technical they do two weeks in sound two weeks at lighting and two weeks with camera. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that? Yeah. And then with the creative one, they do two weeks in art department, two weeks with hair and makeup, two weeks in costume. And then with the production, two weeks production, two weeks script supervising, two weeks with AD. And what I found is quite a few of them have said, I've really enjoyed this department. Can I go back to that for my final week mm-hmm. instead of, you know, staying here and that kind of thing? Because they get to see different departments and figure out what they enjoy because I didn't have a clue what script supervisor did. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what I think I would have probably loved to be in props. I probably would have loved to be in art department because I just love coloring. Not that that's all they do. (laughs) (laughs) I just, these days I just love anything therapeutic. (laughs) But back then, like you were very people person. And I think that's why you flew through the ranks a bit. I do like, meeting new people that's probably one of my favorite things and that's why I like this industry because 
you will always meet you know you'll know a lot of people on jobs from doing it you know for over 10 years but you'll always meet someone new on a job as well yeah which is lovely and for those who i don't know want to go to london and don't live there and hit those points like you did after one job and you're on that high but you're struggling to get the next job what do you think what how did you get through that and what would you say to people i joined an agency Callbox. I think I joined Callbox and I did a lot of um, adverts, which I wasn't passionate about. I know there's like a big, you know, commercial world out there. People, you know, working on adverts and money's good. But for me, I, I like the make-believe. I like, you know, dress up, pretending to be something else. Like Alice of the Looking Glass is one of my favourite because the costumes, the sets, the world that we created was just magical. Um which I really, really enjoyed. So that's, for me, that's why I like film and make-believe mm-hmm. and that kind of thing over adverts. Um, but, you know... But it means cool. to an end, right? And stay in the industry, stay stay in it. Stay in it. Because also I worked on a um, shampoo advert and I actually used that shampoo and then the model <laughs> came out with a wig on and I thought, do you know what? <laughs> Ruined it for me. movie magic folks you heard it here live but yeah that was that was my lifeline because i think we did quite a few commercials together didn't we i I only remember doing the shreps one with you which um was a very short working day 3 a.m to midnight um um, and uh yeah crazy times that yeah they're long days those but 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 like you said you're working you're in the industry i I remember you emptying the urn and did you get it all down your jeans you pissed yourself honestly and I remember on the back in 20 hours I had a nightmare about (laughs) about the urn and I remember telling Terry McShane who got us this job I think he was either was he the first AD or the producer he was he was his first thing yeah he was first thing and I remember saying Terry I've just had I had a nightmare about the urn (laughs) And it's like, I think we've got to get you away from the tea table. <laughs> Let's get you a different job. <laughs> Good old Terry. In thick Scouse accent, no doubt. But that's what happens when you're the least experienced. You get put on these, you know, jobs. And I remember you all called me Cat Cafe. Oh, my God. My job was the tea table. And I was it was Cat's Cafe. Everyone came oh no. to Cat's Cafe. <laughs> I'd hate but, that. I don't know about you. <laughs> But you've got to start somewhere, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, you've got to start somewhere. So I quite, I, I embrace Cat's Cafe. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get the best damn cafe in the industry. <laughs> we mentioned Sarah earlier, but any industry heroes or role models for you? Andy Mad is my role model. Yeah, he's one of them. yeah. He's taught me everything I I needed to know, and he's always. And even now, he's always on the end of the phone if I need to ask him anything. Um, yeah, he's he's been really great to me. That that his his family is a is good family. They're they're just nice people and get on really well with his sister Susie. She's brilliant. Um, also, obviously Sarah Selway because mm-hmm. she basically got me my job, got yeah. me in the industry because my work experience was all up, and she was the one who said, "Can we keep her?" Yeah. So she's brilliant. And obviously Steve Clark Hall for getting yeah. me in at the first place. He'll always be my hero. I really uh, admire his career as well. 
Uh, maybe Patrick Waggett. <laughs> oh, 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 this is awkward, listeners. Oh, God, I, I didn't expect this at all. <laughs> Just doing the David You're Brent my, thing. You're my hero, Patrick. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, behave yourself. I want to say like other big people like Kathleen Kennedy and those kind of people, but I actually don't know her. And the thing is, is the people I know, I really yeah. respect them and I admire their work ethic and how far they've come and what they've done. Whereas, you know, I've you know, I've worked with Kathleen, but I've never actually had a conversation yeah. with her. And I admire her career, but until, you know, I, I get to chat to her, I just don't know. <laughs> you know what, Gally will love that answer. He's all about the um, the little people, the, the little the guys, the, the salt of the unsung earth. Unsung heroes. The unsung, unsung heroes. heroes. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, you've got a gold star from him. I, I can hear him sticking it in his... Uh, his address book now i don't know where i'm going with this um <laughs> um cat before we uh wrap this up see what i did there wrap um what's your favorite film two i've got two favorites and actually this is another great story because the one of the actors came on to um i think it was the foreigner and i was like oh my god do you remember <laughs> the handshake parent trap Oh, brilliant. So the butler, the butler who does the handshake. <laughs> I, I, was, was, I thought you were going to go with the bend and snap. That was what no, I was... Uh, no. <laughs> I was like, please do it with me. Parent Trap, love that. I mean, I could quote that so much. I, that was like, I watched that all the time growing up. And then I, he was the one person I was starstruck on ever. The butler from Parent Trap. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What was the second one? 13 going on 30. 13 going on 30s. <laughs> Great choices. Well, Kat, um, we don't see each other much these days with you in Cornwall. I was, I was lucky to see you recently, and I'm so happy that you agreed to come on this. I know you've got a busy schedule uh, with your family and everything, but this has been a really wonderful talk. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? No, it's it's one of those strange ones where, like, you've done so much in like 10 years that it just takes somebody to just mention something that reminds you of stuff. You forget it because also the days are so long. I remember on Wonder Woman, you just kind of go into robotic mode. You're not really taking much in. And then it's not until you speak to someone that you're like, oh yeah, that happened. But you forgot. Wow. So it's, 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 it's really... not just one job, is it? It's, oh. it's, it's several production, 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 productions, yeah. different set, different location. So actually, it's really nice just to sit down and chat about the whole scale of what we've done. And then, you know, I kind of feel a bit a bit proud now. You forget what you what you do, don't you? I was going to say I'm very proud of you. You've, you've <laughs> made uh, a great life for yourself in Cornwall and made the career work. And it's great that the industry has made the career work for you as mm. well. I think that's awesome. I think it's going that way, which is good. And I think less so in film more so in tv but i think film are going to start following but they want you know to create that family there yeah. right on that and they don't want to let you go because they see you're skilled and want to keep you around and that's yeah i'm um, fantastic thank you for telling us all about it um thanks for having me 
Yeah, we'll say our goodbyes. I'm sorry to cut it short. I would love to talk for longer. But before we do, listeners, um, if you like what we do, please like, share, subscribe, and pen us a wee review. Ask questions for our contributors to Cat Lane. I'll try and answer them on her behalf for you. And um, ask ourselves and spread the gospel. We hope you are enjoying our open slate. Open slate. <laughs> <laughs> our open slate series we are looking forward to some guests coming up including friends of the show focus puller luke and assistant director sarah selway um who we've mentioned on the show before however normal service will resume in our next episode as we discuss the thing as a horror for you cat i'm sure you'll enjoy Definitely. that one i hope you enjoyed it thank you again we'll say our goodbyes thank you um yeah thanks cat it's patrick in london and thank you very much for listening. It's Kat in Cornwall. <laughs> thank you, Kat. And thank you, listeners. We'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. You want a hot body? You want a good body? You want another body? You better go fish. You want a Lamborghini? Sit in martinis. Look hot in a bikini. You better go fish. You want a red fancy? A little big mansion. Party and friends. You better go fish. You better go fish. You better go fish. You better go fish.